Welcome to Twin Cities Theatre Chat. This podcast is created by members of the Twin Cities Theatre Bloggers to share our love of theatre, promote theatre going, and support our theatre community. My name is Carol Jackson, and I write for Minnesota Theatre Love. On today's podcast, we are going to be talking to a few of the Twin Cities Theatre Bloggers about some of the recommendations that they are having for this new exciting half season of theatre coming up. Let's get started with uh, introducing you to the Twin Cities theater bloggers that we have today. Rob Dunkelberger of the Stages of Minnesota. Julie Jackson of Minnesota Theater Love. Mary Allgaard, play off the page. Hello, I'm Keith Russell. I write Life in Review. And I'm Jill Schaefer, and I write Cherry and Spoon. Awesome. So great to have you all here to start us off with some recommendations there's a show from Frank Theater called Ironbound. It's playing at the Gremlin Theater through February 11th. And if you haven't seen it or don't have your tickets yet, go. Seriously, the, there's one performance in particular, although the entire cast is fantastic. Brittany D. Parker as Daria. She is amazing. This performance will knock your socks off. You got to get to her, to, to this show. I, I say to her because to me, she is this show. Although, really, the entire cast is fantastic. I just saw it today. Um, I haven't written my review yet, but it's a, by a playwright called Martina Magic. Magic. She's she's a Polish immigrant. I think she came here as a child. Um, Wendy Knox found this play, and it's, I think, the first we've seen of this playwright. And it's just beautifully written. It's about a Polish immigrant. Uh, the whole play takes place at this bus stop outside a factory. And I think there's just four or five scenes starts in, in 2014 with um, Daria, this immigrant and her current boyfriend. And then it flashes back to a few other times in the past where she's just come over with her husband from Poland. You know, I don't want to give too much away, but it's it's she's struggling with, you know, keeping a job at the factory. She cleans houses. Um, she's had some uh, abusive relationships. She has a child that has some issues. So, and she's struggling with poverty. And so um, it's just a really beautiful, heart-wrenching story and so well told. It is humorous as well. It The description sounds kind of bleak, but it isn't. Um, both the writing and the acting and the directing. And, you know, production design too. I The lighting and sound design, these are things I do not normally notice very well. I, I'm not keyed into them as well, but the lighting and the sound design in this are fantastic as well. All around, just phenomenal production. Definitely, definitely get yourself to Gremlin. Um, and if you're at Gremlin, there's a, a brewery right next door. There's a restaurant. There's a coffee shop. It's a, it's a great little place to check out at Vandalia Towers. So that is playing through February 11th. And that's Ironbound by Frank Theater. Yes. At Gremlin. So another show several of us saw recently is The Last Five Years at Lyric Arts. This was the fifth time I've seen this musical, although the last time I think was at Artistry something like six years ago. So it's been a while. And this is written by Jason Robert Brown, who I think is one of our best living musical theater composers. Um, another one of his scores that I love is The Bridges of Madison County. Um, but The Last Five Years is a two-person musical uh, about a couple and one, one person in the couple tells the story chronologically going forward. The other person starts at the end and works backwards. So it's a little bit of a complex setup 
but it, I think it really illustrates how these two people are just never on the same track. And so at Lyric Arts, they have a six-piece onstage orchestra, several strings. It just sounds gorgeous. The musical director is Ben Emery Larson. And I really enjoyed it. The cast, I thought, was lovely. Tommy McCarthy is so funny and charming. I almost forgot that I don't like Jamie. He's kind of a jerk. But Tommy is um, really fun to watch. And a new-to-me actor, Lydia Rose Pryor, played Kathy. And I thought she was lovely as well and really conveyed just the range of emotions in Kathy in this story. Jill, I went and saw this with you. Thank you for that. I agree. I thought Tommy and Lydia were both very good in their own way. I thought Tommy was magnificent in the part. I thought Lydia was also really good and solid in the choices she was making. I had some difficulty with some directing choices, but that I think comes from my background also as a director and how I envision the show personally. I'm a big Jason Robert Brown fan from the start, from the get-go, from the la- um, from Songs for a New World, through Parade, through Last Five Years, through Bridges of Madison County, 13 even. I love the way he writes music. And I thought musically, this show is so gorgeous. There are moments where, especially in the middle of the show, not to give anything away, but since the two characters are crossing timelines, there is a moment where they do meet. And I choke up even now just thinking about it because it's so it's written so beautifully it is just so the music and everything just the way they're talking the way they're singing with each other it's stunning so i think even personally for me even with the cast i think there could have been different musical choices made in singing or different musical direction choices there could have been different choices made within the direction and production style but at the core you have these two voices singing this amazing music and even if you may not like the voices per se you get the story, and I think that that is beautiful in and of itself. I definitely have some issues with the show. There's one set piece that I wish they would have figured out, that it makes a lot of noise when they bring it on and off stage, and they should not be doing that during a song. But that's just me. I, I but, don't think that was just you, it, and it was too tall, and so they were always worried about it bumping into the, exactly. to the, the things that, that had the projections. And so yeah. I think I just focused a lot on that, because they're going to bump it this time, or are they going to make it in? And maybe if they had just shortened it a little bit or maybe left it there because it's supposed to be this, you know, New York stoop, which they don't really use that much. So I I, I thought it was kind of a distraction. They use it at the start of the show and at the mm-hmm. end of the show. And both times they're bringing on during the end of a quiet song previous. And I'm like, and it's really a timing thing. Bring it on when the, before the other song starts so you can just flow into it. Um, my other big issue with this is it's a 90 minute show. And they put a 15-minute intermission right smack dab in the middle. When I think the way that, the way I experience a show best, especially with the cast recording, is to just listen to it from start to end, and you get the full feel of the show and how well it's written and how all the songs are connected and how the characters are connected to each other, even though they don't, don't really connect visually or much on stage. And I think the intermission kind of broke that up personally for me. Yeah, Didn't I agree with either. you on that, Keith. I would just like to tell all theaters, if you can do your play or musical in 90 or 100 minutes with no intermission, do not put an intermission in there. All it does is break it up, stops the momentum, you know, it breaks the spell. Just don't put in an intermission. We don't need it. Thank you. I agree. The four magic words of theater, 90 minutes, no intermission. (laughs) So true. So when, what song did they put the intermission right after then? Right after the last 10 minutes, next 10 minutes. So right smack dab in the middle. So this was my first experience with the show, and 
I had fairly high expectations because I know that a lot of my fellow bloggers hold the show in fairly high regard. I was fairly underwhelmed. I think for me, it's the source material a lot, although I think that maybe some of the choices that were made, if they'd been different, if some of the casting had perhaps been a little bit different, um, maybe I would have gotten more out of it. For me, a story like this, where you're you're looking at a relationship from the beginning to the end, when you get to the end, you're supposed to feel a sense of loss. And that loss, that feeling of loss comes from what you saw grow, what was good is now gone, and you feel that. And in this case, it's gone at the beginning, and then in reverse, by the time you get to the end, you just, you haven't grown with the characters, you haven't learned about it. It it really didn't work with for me, and most of the music and songs didn't really connect with me. Uh, there were some fun ones, but there is a lot of, it felt very similar, and angsty and sort of downbeat and be interesting the goodbye until tomorrow which is the very last song i think that that is such a great upbeat number and i find it like even that song moves me in ways again musically just musically the way it's written is so good and the contrast between her singing that and him singing what he's singing and what you just saw him do and i think it's just so brilliantly done so i would I would recommend seeing another production or taking a look at the movie because the movie I think is also really well done. It's done in the same way where her story is told backwards, his story is told forwards. So take a look at that, see if that changes your mind because I think that may help because it's visually, it's different than in the stage, great singing, but I would definitely give it another shot. And then after seeing it twice, you can be like, nope, you're right. This is not my show. And that's totally a good choice too. Yeah, I went, I went with my housemate too and she's 21 and she's like, I didn't under, I didn't know how I was supposed to feel. And I think that kind of hit a, a lot of what we we felt about it because, you know, you have your happy and your sad and then they move together for, for one moment where they're together and then they move away from it again. And so it messes with our emotions. And so I also kind of felt that way too. And that, that maybe in some ways the, the guy, the, the male character gets a little bit more variety and he gets to tell stories a little more where she, she kind of stays in somewhat the same place in my opinion, but that might've been just how my experience was this time. But, I find that, like what you just said, I think that that fits Mm -hmm. the characters so well because he is a storyteller, he is a novelist. So like telling stories is his, it's what he does. So it makes sense for his music and his songs to have more of a story. Character-wise, I feel like she is often stuck. She talks about wanting to get out and wanting to make changes, but then she doesn't really do it. And I don't want to give anything away to anyone who's listening who doesn't know the show. But I think character-wise, it kind of works for her in some ways. But I also totally understand what you're saying. So Last Five Years is a musical that has a very warm place in my heart. I've seen some great productions of it. And speaking of musicals that have a little warm place in my heart, Artistry is going to be opening Crazy for You a little bit later on this month. And I don't know if you all have any experience or knowledge of Crazy for You. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. I don't know the show at all, but I do know that Anita Ruth is directing a 20-piece orchestra, which you never see. Like, almost never, unless you're at Lincoln Center, do you see a 20-piece orchestra. So I'm I'm all in for that. And Crazy for You is classic Gershwin music. It's very roughly based on the Gershwin's early musical Girl Crazy, but then they adjusted the story and pulled in a lot of songs from other shows. I think it's, like, one of the great 
American musicals. I saw it on Broadway when it was originally playing. Harry Groner was, was the lead, Bobby Childs, and he was amazing. And um, that was the trip where I went with my friend who, when we got to New York, said, I don't like tap dancing. So we couldn't go see any shows with tap dancing in them. Otherwise, I would have seen a whole lot of other shows like Jelly's Last Jam and Guys and Dolls. But I did get to see Crazy For You. It was beautiful. I love the show. I love the music. So I'm excited about that too. And a big orchestra is going to be awesome. Speaking of choreography, um, this show, The Crazy For You at Artistry, is choreographed by Ellie Stocky and Kyle Weiler, the latter of which was, I believe, one of Twin Cities Theater Bloggers' favorite directors, choreographers for She Loves Me at Lakeshore. So there's going to be great dancing, great music. So that actually opens very soon this weekend, I think. So. Well, and I believe Kyle is playing Bobby. I think he's also playing the lead. So I'm super excited about it. I mean, romance, comedy, classic Gershwin score, 20-piece orchestra, tap dancing, cowboys, showgirls. I, you can't go wrong. Very family-friendly. It's ready for anyone. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited because of the tap. Um, I saw some great tap in Funny Girl last week at the... Orpheum, and it got me really excited to see some more tap. Um, so I, this is this is big on on the radar in my household. And if we're talking about uh, classics and beloved musicals at Artistry, just a little teaser. Later this year, they're doing The Sound of Music, which I adore for multiple reasons. And my favorite musical rant is coming up this fall. So Artistry is the place to be this year, I think. Yeah, I'm so glad they came back. Um, they had a little hiatus there, um, and that's always concerning. But yeah, their upcoming season is just looking really bright. I think if I go see Rent at Artistry, it'll be the first non-Broadway production of Rent I've seen, because I've only seen the Broadway production or the film. There haven't so I'm been kind of looking many. forward to that. I think there have been maybe two or three regional productions, because it's been playing on Broadway and touring for so long that Often the rights aren't available, so there actually haven't been that many. Um, Speaking of Lyric Arts, Lyric Arts did a fantastic they did. They production did, yeah. a few years ago. Another thing I'm looking forward to this spring, I'm looking forward to going back to the Hive Collaborative. This is the space formerly known as Dreamland Arts in St. Paul. And you can listen to my interview with the, with the new owners of Hive. Eric Morris and Laura Rudolph Morris. You can listen to that episode uh, on our podcast from last fall. So they've got a, a full schedule of events coming up this spring. The first thing they're doing is something they're calling 16 Bar Bingo. And this is going to be the last Monday of every month, starting on January 29th. So as I understand it, they're going to have live performers who will sing 16 bars of a musical. You will have a bingo card with the names of musicals. You have to recognize the song and what musical it's from and mark it off on your bingo sheet and then get bingo in the traditional way. So it's intended to be sort of a fun community building event. So I'm looking forward to that. So they've got uh, several concerts coming up, sort of exploring the idea of a concept album. One is Frank Sinatra, one is Schubert, one is Ella Fitzgerald singing Irving Berlin. Uh, and then they've got the All About Jane album release. Several of us saw the uh, concert All About Jane and are waiting for that album. So that's coming out this spring. So you can check that out at the, at the Hive Collaborative. Speaking and of concerts, if I may, the something's coming up that I don't know if many people are, have on the radar. Um, McPhail has <gasps> a concert coming up 
uh, called It Takes Two. It's a faculty spotlight. So it's all the faculty or ex-faculty who are doing a concert of the Broadway's greatest duets. I only bring this up because Bradley Greenwald is performing, and we all know we love Bradley Greenwald. So it's a good cast. Uh, Joey Clark, Jerry Rubino, T Timothy Dupre, who I think does a lot of stuff with the Twin City Gay Men's Chorus. Bradley Greenwald, my friend Melody Mendes, and Anna Hashizume. And just duets from Wicked, West Side Story, Hamilton, Andy Get Your Gun. And that is coming up on February 3rd. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. That should be fun. Speaking of, this is apparently benefit season right now. So there are a lot of fun cabarets going on around town with some really amazing performers and lineups. And if you have the means to do so, to go and support them and pay that wonderful um, benefit admission fee, that is awesome. And please do so. And Jill, I think you went to Trademark Theaters benefit is that right i did i did go to trademarks uh fundraiser cabaret concert at the at luminary art center and it was fantastic it was um bradley ban was a music director you have of course tyler michaels king and then performers china bricky ellen capello janelle rodriguez evan tyler wilson twin cities theater bloggers favorite musical performance of 2023 and wesley maury um, and also just a special guest appearance by, you know, Michelle Barber, Matt Reilly, uh, Eric Sharp, whatever. Just a few casual people singing songs cut for musicals. So it was a really, a really interesting concept, really fantastic performances. I think they raised over $75,000, which is incredible. And Trademark invests that money in artists, in creating, supporting, developing, producing new wor work. So, so it's a really great cause and one I was happy to support. That's amazing. And and I know a lot of theaters are also having concerts and cabarets around Valentine's Day. So if you're interested in something to do in February, there's probably a cabaret or concert for you at Crooners or there's one at the Guthrie. There's one at Park Square. History Theater. History Theater. Well. Yeah. Yeah. The Park Square is the Broadway songbook series that James Rocco created. So that's going to be love songs for musicals. So I'm definitely going to that one. I love some good Broadway songbook, musical theater, edutainment. What's next? What do we got? Speaking of love, briefly, Elixir of Love, Minnesota Opera coming up one weekend only starting. It opens on the 27th of January and then the 1st, 3rd and 4th of February. So if you're into opera, it's supposed to be comedy. It's a, by Donizetti. I've never seen it, so I'm super excited to go see it. The only other things I have coming up that I'm curious and interested about, I know this is going to be mentioned by somebody else, but Theater Elysian, a piece called In the Green, written by Grace McLean, is coming up towards the end of February. It's about Hildegard van Bingen, if I remember correctly. And the other one I'm super excited about is Radiant Vermin, which is a horrible title, but it's written by Philip Ridley, who is one of my favorite English authors. And most of his books and plays seem to have these really weird, quirky titles. Uh, but that's playing at Lyric from March 1st through the 24th, and I have no idea what it's about. It's supposed to be a commentary on consumerism, gentrification, the moral cost of the pursuit of perfection. And from what I know about Philip Ridley, it's going to be a little surrealistic, but really funny and possibly a little dark. And I'm super excited about it. I'm looking forward to getting back to Lyric Arts, too. And uh, one of my favorite playwrights is Lauren Gunderson. Speaking of favorite playwrights, she has Toil and Trouble, which will be at Yellow Tree theater starting on the 2nd of February. 
which I'm looking forward to a lot. Again, the housemate, uh, they did Silent Sky here locally in the Brainerd Lakes area, and we all kind of fell in love with that and, of course, other works by her. So that's one of the uh, next things on my radar. And I love a good murder mystery, so dial M for murder for me at the Guthrie and uh, and Stones in His Pocket at Theodore Lottie Dyer, my two next ones. And speaking of Lauren Gunderson, who's one of my favorite playwrights as well, Silent Sky, which you mentioned, is going to be playing at Theater in the Round uh, towards the end of February. The more Lauren Gunderson, the better, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, and we plan to go to that one too. Now we're, now we're just in love with all our work, so it's uh, it's fun. Well, I think everybody just described my schedule uh, for the upcoming you know, few weeks and months, so um, I don't really have anything to add there. Um, other than everybody should get out and see these shows and for God's sake, go see Ironbound. You do not want to miss it. Um, I want to put in a plug for a couple of shows that are opening pretty soon, which you can learn about more on episodes of our podcast. We have an interview that is up with Richard Hitchler and Prudence Johnson of Theater 55's Cabaret which um, I don't have the dates for right here, but is opening soon. And we also have a episode coming up with Jason Hansen, music director at Theater Latte Da, wherein he talks about his work and the work of a music director, as well as the upcoming Stones in His Pockets at Theater Latte Da. So look for those episodes as well. Thank you for listening to Twin Cities Theater Chat. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, rate and review us, and spread the word. Follow the Twin Cities Theater Bloggers on Facebook and Instagram to read our reviews and find out what we're up to. And go see a show. And we're out.